So here's the thing. I had a few people say to me that they'd like to hear a little bit about me. Um, So I think I've been fobbing this interview off for quite some time, but finally I thought, okay, it's time. Um, I'm going to get someone to interview me. You guys get to find out a little bit more about the person behind Wits Up. Uh, So hopefully you get something out of this episode. I apologize. It's gone for quite some time. But if you are a listener already, you know that I love a chat. Uh, So I do apologize that this one uh, goes a little bit longer. I think we've hit a record actually on this one. It goes a lot longer than some of the others. But feel free to break this up into, hey, why don't we say we break into three parts just like a triathlon Um, but what I do want to say before we get underway is please, if you do enjoy what we produce here at Wits Up, whether it be on the podcast, uh, or on any of our other channels, please consider becoming a patron. Uh, we'd really appreciate your support. It's going to help us grow and expand with Wits Up. We'll leave a link in the bio of this episode and future episodes, and we'd really appreciate that support. But for now, let's handball it over to Piper. <laughs> I'm, tr- I'm trying so hard not to be a control freak. This is going to be so be, interesting. You can be a control freak. No, I don't want to be. I'm tr- this is your. So imagine this is your podcast. I am. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and right now it is. Okay. You're in my house. You're drinking my delicious wine. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so, yeah, it's my podcast today, Steph. Do it. We're recording. Oh, great. Okay, everyone. Yeah, but I hit the, po- I hit the record button. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the Wits Up podcast. It's a pleasure to have you all with us today. Um, I'm not the familiar voice of Steph Hansen. I'm a stranger, and I am here to get behind the behind the scenes and find out a little bit more about who is Steph Hansen behind the Wits Up podcast. Uh, my name is Lucy Piper. You might know me from the Wits Up website from years and years ago. I've it's been some, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, I mean we we've still been friends. I just haven't <laughs> been doing too much too much work on Wits Up. But Steph, you've obviously invited me along here to, I don't know, why did you invite me? Oh, that's a great question. Um, good start. Um, it's funny because throughout my years of uh, being involved with Wits Up, which is since the start, um, people have suggested that I should be interviewed and I've kind of always fobbed it off. I fobbed it off for a long, long time, and and then finally we launched the podcast, and I thought, oh, that's probably that's probably the best platform to have an interview with me if that's what people want to hear. And I apologise if you don't want to hear, you can turn it off right now. <laughs> I'm not sure it's going to be all that interesting, but um, and then the, I guess the question was, who would interview me? And I and I thought about quite a few pro triathletes. Who and then I th- you realise you need a nobody. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Nailed it. Um, no, but I thought, you know, a pro triathlete could, could interview me, but I think it takes a certain skill 
uh, to interview someone and to get to know someone and to dig deep. Um, and A, I don't think pro triathletes have got the time to be able to do that and invest in that kind of um, explorative questioning type of thing. Um, so anyway, I quickly came to the conclusion that someone who knew me reasonably reasonably well would be good. And then, I don't know, like, you know, we, we've been mates for a long time and um, I've learned a lot from you over the years. Um, I I appreciate what you do in terms of your, your work, uh, the work that you've done for us. Um, we've got a very similar sense of – we're both idiots. Um, and I just – I don't know. You, you're very professional, and um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like, I love your approach to things, but you don't take yourself too seriously. So you pretty much are the wits. You are the wits up motto in that you you um, t- what you do you take seriously, but you don't take yourself too serious. And oh, I think really that cool. pretty much sum, sums you up. And I thought you'd be the perfect person to, uh, yeah interview me i I don't know if i'll relinquish control so well but we'll see how we go thanks steph that's very flattering (laughs) and i feel really grateful to be here um like you say we've for everyone listening out there steph and i've known each other for a number of years and i was first introduced to you um (laughs) by a mutual friend because i think this i don't even know how many years ago it was maybe six or seven years ago I was training for my first Ironman as an age group athlete and had absolutely no idea what I was doing. And it coincided with the start of Wits Up and one of your old school friends who I worked with at the time. And I was complaining to her saying, I don't know anything about triathlon and I don't know anyone in triathlon. Sorry, can I interrupt for just one second? Not not an old school friend. She (laughs) is actually... (laughs) From Tasmania, so I can see how you might think we went to school together. Yeah, because isn't there only a couple of schools there? Surely? Yeah, there's <laughs> Apologies two, two and a half, yeah. and the half being the, the kindergarten there. Um, no, she was actually the ex-girlfriend of the guy that – so the ex-girlfriend of the guy that then I started seeing, and that's how we became friends. But So we're now – not friends. Tasmania. Correct. Classic so we're now family. both ex-girlfriends of that particular person. Never got that bit of the backstory before. That's a great story. Well, there we go. There we, it, yeah. So uh, Helen introduced <laughs> us and said, look, you, Lucy, you obviously, I was looking for advice and for kind of camaraderie and I was training with my husband and a couple of other guys and was introduced to Steph. Helen said, look, come and meet my friend Steph. She... Uh, knows a bit about triathlon and that was maybe the biggest understatement of all time and (laughs) after I met you you took me under your wing and I was able to learn so much more about being a woman in triathlon as well because before I met you I didn't know any female triathletes and all of a sudden I was in this world with you and learning so much so it's been a great journey um oh thank thank you yeah so Oh, it's really cool that we're here now. The yeah. other thing I want to say, just before we jump into things, is that uh, obviously you became a mum about 18 months ago. Yeah. And I became a mum probably about 16 months ago. Yeah. And 
the first four weeks of becoming a parent, a, a first-time parent, you were this saviour to me. So I just want to thank you Aww. because the 3 a.m. messages <laughs> and support and advice and guidance because you were just that one stretch further down the road than I was and we were close together in it, but you were... You saved me on oh, so many dude. levels, so thank you. Oh, that's but so anyway, nice. here we are. That makes me sound like an expert. I need to clarify that it, I, I had those people helping me. Yeah. So I, and I just, and because I think you're unreal, I love you. I was like, if I can, I don't know, pay it forward like people helped me, then I want to be able to do that. And I think... Our friendship was so much because you know how when you're a new mum, there's all this advice and stuff. And I was like, no, I think she'll see through that. It, you won't be offended. It's not an unsolicited advice. It's like, mate, we're in it together. We, you know, we will get through this. Um, and I had those people doing it for me. Yeah. And it's in, the the mum network is fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. But you set the stage for me, and then I took that on and did the same thing for other yeah, women and that's awesome yeah it was a, it was really special yeah. and you were like a really big kind of figure for me at that time which was a really big uh part of my life so anyway yeah. back to Steph Hansen um there's a good chance this might turn onto you quite a few times throughout this <laughs> as I deflect <laughs> yeah you can deflect but I'm I'm gonna throw it back to you as much as I can um I'm extremely interested in a number of things. We'll take a uh, probably a, a familiar familiar trajectory. Should have practiced that That's out loud. Two very hard words yeah. to say together. Should have practiced that before I said it for yeah. the first time. Familiar trajectory. Yeah, yeah but this is my take on Steph Hansen. Can I also interrupt? You always call me Steph Hansen. So that's your name. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we're not familiar. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Steph Hansen. Steph, yeah. it was. I don't know. You just, do you, it just works together. But do you do you know many other Stephs? Clearly no. <laughs> <laughs> you're the only one. <laughs> well, you're, oh, you're you're Steph Hansen. I love and, it. Um, you're a pisser. The line of work that you're in. You are, uh, how can I put it? Like, you're really comfortable among champions. Mm. And that's, that's like, you're comfortable and you're confident in rooms full of people that otherwise, like, I walk into a room, like, if I'm with you at a race or something, and the group of people that will be there are champions. And you are completely at ease and confident and comfortable, and they're your peers. Whereas I'm like, oh my god, there's Lizzie B. Oh my god, oh my god, it's really oh my god, and I'm just uh, in awe and tripping over myself. But you're just this woman who holds her own amongst champions, and I want to get to the bottom of how you became that person and. Yeah, where you get your confidence from. Ooh, this is starting off hard. Because, I, I mean, I don't know. 
I, I don't even know where to start. First of all, thank you. That's such a, an amazing compliment. Um, and I, I think I've always made a very conscious effort um, in terms of I, did, I don't want to appear to be that fangirl um, because I do want to be taken. Yeah, like you, it's embarrassing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, no, because I've always wanted it to be, you know, to be taken seriously in terms of, you know, I'm trying to build it a media platform and everything. Um, but don't get me wrong, I look at these women uh, at the top of their game and I am blown away, which is why I do what I do. I, Because I, I want other people to be introduced to these amazing, incredible women who I have the pleasure of working with day in and day out. Um, so I definitely get those feelings when I first meet these women. And I meet a lot of men in the sport as well. Um, there was one time I did fail though massively. And it was when I was quite new, new to it all. And I met um, Greg Welsh and Paula Newby Fraser in New Zealand. And I, like, so I was hanging out with um, Delhi Carr and Noel McMahon, who De- De- it was the first time I'd hung out with Delhi Carr, who um, we- we've had on the podcast. He's incredible, the best photographer in the sport, helped put triathlon on the map back in the day. Um, and he called me rookie f- from then on in because I was like, <gasps> can you please get a photo of us too on your phone or, or whatever it was? So, and I just, that was kind of, I guess, a bit of a pivotal moment for me that I thought I need to be a little bit more cool <laughs> about this. Um, not sure I always pull it off, but anyway, um, where does the confidence come from? It's funny. I think confidence, and it's interesting. I've learned a lot from doing all these uh, interviews with the professional women and breaking down those, um, I don't want to say barriers, but learning a lot more about what makes them tick and where their confidence comes from. And one that sticks out is Lindsay Corbin, who I uh, spoke to recently, who I've become quite good friends with Lindsay. And she says that she she didn't grow up with this confidence. It's it's evolved as she has evolved as an athlete and as a person. Um, but she's spent a lot of time in the last couple of years doing a lot of um, whatever you want to call it, self-reflecting or what have you, to really figure out where that has come from. Um, for me, I, I don't know if I can actually give you a specific answer. Um, I think... Do you know what? It's actually, I think from being involved in sport from such a young age, it's taught me to just get out there and do shit. And if you, if you, if you fuck up, you fuck up, you move on. And I used to to play softball and like, I've got some really vivid memories of times that I fucked up and I don't really remember the times where I did really well, but I do remember, like I remember one time someone hit this cracking hit at me and it was actually a pretty easy catch. And I used to get, the hard catches, but a pretty standard catch. And I missed it. I don't know what I was doing. And it skimmed the top of my head. And like, I can still feel How that. How old were you? Um, I probably would have been, oh, 19 or, no, oh, no, probably about 17 or 18. And I just remember the first person I looked to was my coach. And he just put it, sort of put his head down. He was a very authority. He was an authoritarian coach, but he was also someone who, I always felt really comfortable talking to. So he was disappointed at the time and I was gutted that I disappointed him. But then we talked about it later. 
Um, so maybe I learnt a little bit, you know, from from him and how how to deal with the times where you do fuck up and just you've got to get over it and move on. And then you know, twenty seconds later, yeah. another ball's been pitched. Like there's another batter. Yeah, Let, let's go. Come on, you don't have time to fucking wallow. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's it. I think I I honestly believe that sports taught me a lot. Yeah, and helped shape me. There's pro- obviously a lot of other influences as well. Um, but I just those things stick in your head for a reason. I, yeah. I think. I think sport gives you a really um, easy uh, allegory for other lessons in life, doesn't it? So allegory. 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 What's that? Allegory. You know, allegory. <laughs> <laughs> if I just say the word enough times, you'll understand what I mean. Um, wait, 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 wait. So we've got to explain that. Like a metaphor. That. So yeah, like okay, sport's yeah, a yeah, really yeah, good yeah. Metaphor, Great metaphor for life. For other things so yeah. if you do something particularly when you're a kid do you think like if you're if you're playing sports as a kid and then there's a coaching lesson from it then it's kind of translatable into other areas of your life but if 100%. you didn't have sport that yep. maybe it would just kind of pass you by yeah i used to get in trouble at school so like doing uh, writing essays because if, without fail every single one of my essays was sport related because it was the language that I knew. It's all I could talk about. So I don't know, like the question would be something like, you know, when 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 have you hit adversity and this and that? And I was like, wow, in the under 19 team, I hurt my shoulder. So this is how I overcame it. And they're like, dude, like, can you give us something else? But it's what it's what spoke to me. It's how how I knew how to communicate. Yeah. Um, what sports did you do? everything yeah yeah I um very very early on I did absolutely everything um to the point that I also remember that um and I'm like talking cricket netball softball badminton volleyball um table tennis um netball I think I said that soccer everything um cricket I wanted to do and my mum was just like no you you have to actually stop. <laughs> there's not enough bandwidth. Like. There's not. There's definitely not enough bandwidth. And also, it's your brother's thing. Just let them have it. So this one time, um, do you love it? How I've already gone on so many tangents. Um, this is not a tangent. Like my number one thing on my list okay. is origin story. So we're <laughs> that going makes down you think that of Marvel and um, superheroes origin oh, stories. There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember sitting on the sidelines watching my brother play cricket and, um, someone didn't turn up to, it was the, so back then it was the boys, but the girls could play on the boys team, but boys couldn't play on the girls team and, um, someone didn't turn up. So though they were one fielder short and I'm like just chomping at the bit. I'm like, pick me, pick me. And eventually... They were like they basically shouted out to the crowd who who'd want to play and my hand shot up oh, and so I no. ran onto the field and my brother's just fucking gutted. older brother um no younger brother okay um yeah not impressed I did and I did okay yeah of course you did I I did love my sport I remember I said um the <laughs> I was at this International Women's Day event thing last year. And this story popped into my head. I don't even know if I answered the person's question, but it popped into my head and I was like, 
I'm pretty sure my dad was disappointed that I was a girl. Hang on. Wait, and yes, so if you, it, Piper's like just clasping oh, at just, her heart. Yeah. But wait, it's actually a good story, but okay. it starts off bad. But that's how. Yeah, you know, it starts yeah, off yeah. as bad as any story can start. Correct. But the reason was is because I loved playing footy. And back then, you only had so long you could play footy. And dad could see how much I loved it. And I was pretty decent at it. And he was gutted because he would have loved to have seen me continue playing footy. Um, and anyway, so the, the reason I was telling that story was um, is to get a shock from the audience, which I got, which is exactly what I got from you then. Um, but he he now is so pumped that there's a women's AFL yeah, right. um, uh, league. league. Thank you. Um, now I've forgotten why I went on to that. But essentially he, you know, back then in, in sports like footy, the only opportunities were for men yep. or boys. Yep. Um, women, essentially girls, you played netball or hockey, essentially. Yeah, like that yeah. was the main things to play. And it's great. Like that has changed so much. We've still got a long, long, long way to go. Um, but, yeah, uh, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Sorry. No, I was just picturing your mum. Like you, you listed off every sport I could think of then. And I'm sure I missed a few. Have you got two brothers or one brother? Two, one one either side of and me. And they both did a lot of sport as well. No, they did cricket. Okay, so they... And I was the sporty one. Okay, but I'm just picturing like your mum would have been having to take you to all of this stuff and take yeah. you there, pick you up, and just thinking of the sacrifices that uh, your family may or may not have had to make to facilitate this incredible uh, spectrum of sports that you were taking part in was there other things aside from sport because I the way that you seem to come across as an adult is that you're really good at a lot of different things and I don't think that that's necessarily stuff that you've just picked up as an adult that I kind of imagine you not just doing sport as a kid that you would have probably excelled in in different arenas as well as sport yeah, right. <laughs> it's interesting. It's this is really interesting being on this side of things. Um it's also really awkward to say, yeah, I was good at this, but I was into music a lot and I miss it. I I definitely Did you play miss, music. Yeah. So I played uh saxophone and the drums. Played the recorder like everyone else did in primary school. You played the saxophone like Lisa Simpson. Saxophone. <laughs> and the drums. And the drums, like animal. Wow. Um, yeah, and it was... Um, Never would have picked that. Really? Well, I did know because I do listen to your podcast, but <laughs> did I yeah. not listen to that, I would never have picked. And Well, I played the piano, actually. Mum got me into piano lessons I can't remember how old I was but it must have been like late primary school maybe early high no it must have been primary school and for whatever reason I I didn't want to continue that and I'm I'm disappointed that I didn't now um but there was obvious reasons well they're not obvious because I, I got, can't a, what I got a reason what when you're a kid it's really boring yeah yeah it's just yeah. scales, isn't it? Because you can't yeah, see true. the long game. Yeah, you can't. you've got to learn scales. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Seven years of age, you've got to sit on that stool. Yeah. Play like... It's always an old person teaching you. Which is a That's, bit just a bit. Oh, they're the masters, aren't they? Aren't they? It's kind of like... <laughs> you totally went a little bit David Attenborough, aren't they? And, and the masters, and they sit, they sit on their stool watching the young. I was about to say young prey, but then that's a bit weird. Isn't it? I really anyway. turned up my English accent for that. You, know, <laughs> you did. Putting on my phone voice. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So drums and and I remember. So this is another. Um, this wine's kicking in. Now I'm getting really excited and using my hands and everything. Um, now I'm getting really excited <laughs> using my hands. You're Steph Hansen. <laughs> Steph Hansen, you always are excitable and using your hands. That's true. Um, women didn't play – girls didn't play the drums in mm. in the band. So that was almost – I remember that being a red rag to a bull because I was like, fuck that, I'm playing the drums. And so at, at high school, there was um, junior band, senior band, and then stage band. So junior band was like grade seven and eight. So at school, we went, primary school went up to grade six, and then high school was grade seven to 10, and then college was 11 to 12. That was the public system that I went through. Mm. So seven to ten, seven and eight were junior band, nine and 10 were senior band, and then stage band, like they were almost like the cooler next level up kind of whatever. They sound really cool. Totally cool. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I had to fight with some other male drummers to get – because there's only one drummer. You can have 15 saxophone yeah. players, but you can only have one drummer. Um, and I, I beat them in the end. And I think <laughs> just because – well, mainly just because I was fucking stubborn because it was just assumed that he would get the spot. And I just, I was, yeah. So this started way back. Yeah, apparently, and I'm just realising this now. Yeah, this started yeah. way back. Yeah. Um, is it safe to assume that you were somewhat of like a tomboy? I have no up? idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's more than safe to assume. Mm. It's fact. Uh, it hasn't changed. Mm. I don't ever remember being. Girly, whatever that actually mm. means. Um, I do remember. This is a funny memory. It's like just this one time birthday party. I was living in Adelaide at the time, and Mum wanted me in a dress, and eventually I convinced her that I could wear shorts and a t-shirt. But they were like, like beige kind of shorts with a flowery kind of top, but it was shorts. Yeah. And then I was throwing the tennis ball from one end of the pool to the other with someone probably just myself on a wall because I used to do that too um and I fell in and I just remember mum saying well too bad because you decided to muck around and play with the tennis ball now you have to wear a dress <laughs> I just I remember that yeah it's harsh yeah and I had to I wear a dress for I, my birthday oh uh. yikes <laughs> I think um I grew up like somewhat of a tomboy as well and I think to to this day I'm still fairly tomboyish and I think that I don't know if you'd agree but as I got older and started to like go to work and that kind of thing society makes like I think the idea of a girl being a tomboy is just this really beautiful like innocent thing of you're really you're you're just robust and you take risks and 
you want to do stuff that like there is it's not gender specific you're just like a really strong brave little girl but then as you grow up it becomes like something different mm. being a tomboy i've i've worked in places where um like women have said to me oh you just haven't met the right girl yet and i'm like what so because i'm a tomboy you're associating that with like so many different things and it's just like this beautiful way of being as a woman that's just about like just being robust and not having to wear a dress all the time yeah. i think it's it gets like a really bad rap it, it and do you so to me and i so when you talked about confidence earlier so maybe i project confidence but it's not it's definitely not always there and it's 100 percent not there when it came to uh relationships um because i thought i was a lesser of a person because i didn't have a boyfriend or you know and it that really used to eat me up until i met the love of my life who cooks for me is the father to my daughter <laughs> he's an amazing no, man he's he's a some have described him as an adonis <laughs> Doesn't an Adonis have to be quite muscly? Is that <laughs> well? Like, look, he's a cyclist, so calf, he's he's got to make some sacrifices for speed. Yeah, calf muscles for days. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's so. The more I think about it now, as an adult, and especially having a daughter, um, I still like I. I want to say it, it will never. I will never change. I'll always be a tomboy. It's never those sort of society societal pressures or um you know thoughts about how things should be will never change who I am but it certainly will every now and then make me question myself um at 100 percent um like I've been in situations in the past where I just I was at a just a little gathering in the park and we're having beers and stuff and I didn't know half the people there I was just mates with a few of them and this one woman and I must have been like mid-20s which I think especially because I moved from Tassie when I was 21 and so naive which I kind of love as well because I was so open to everything no idea about so many things but just open and big-eyed and just wanting to move to the big smoke of Melbourne and fucking love it um, and because I was a tomboy and I went and got the beers and everything, she just kept saying to me, are you a lesbian? And I was like, what? No. Are you sure? And she just kept hounding me. And yeah. I remember I was so upset in tears and it wasn't because I was accused of being a lesbian. It was because I was like, is that, is that what I'm giving off to people? Is that why boys aren't interested in me? Because they think I'm a lesbian and it, it fucked with me for yeah. so long. Still now, like I obviously still remember it. Um, and I don't know, like I like to think that things are changing and with Frankie, it's one reason why like, I don't want to put her in pink. Yeah. And I know that is me projecting my own shit. I, I totally know that, but or I. Or is it just trying to hold back? those kind of social constructs around gender like just give her the chance to be herself like yeah definitely and that's because if she turns around tomorrow and says she wants to wear a dress we'll laugh about it and people will give me shit about it but I'll let her do yeah. it I don't care um so yeah you're right it's definitely a mixture of both but I do know that 
Like there's a part of me that almost feels like I'm going to teach the world a lesson and show that Frankie can be like, I, I definitely feel that. Mm. And then I think, fuck, am I, am I using, like, am I using my child as, is she, do I have my own agenda with her? And it makes me step back every now and then and think, fuck, what, what am I doing? But do you know what? I'm like, she's, she's 18 months old. Yep. She's just freaking awesome. Yeah. She is such a happy, chilled kid. We're doing something right. We'll figure out the rest of it as we go. Yeah. So, yeah. She's but, so relaxed and smart and fun. So intelligent. So funny. Exactly. You're doing, <laughs> you're doing everything right. Um, let's talk about your other child. Can, can I just ask? Child. Wait, wait, yeah. wait. Can we, well, but, so you've got a son who's a couple yeah. of months younger. And obviously, you know, people talk about the mother-daughter, the mother-son, like all those kind of things. It, it, like, how do you feel about it all? And then in terms of dressing I, him in Yeah, so or, I feel um, the thing that I think about the most is that I want to raise a son who is – respectful to women who is kind to women who are women are his equals like there's just no question about it yeah and that's the thing that's in my consciousness all the time and in fact there's a little girl in his childcare center um and we call her the ceo like i call her the ceo because she's the boss of the class she's called valerie she's about 18 months old and she knows like she knows whose bag is everyone's bag she knows How whose mum is, is every, 18 months old. She oh, knows so everything. Cool. So I've just like started calling her the CEO. I Valerie's the CEO. She's the boss. And I'm like, Toby, you're the two I see. You're, and all the other, the women that work in the childcare centre laugh when I say because I'm like, Toby, you're the two I see. Just trying to teach him from day dot That's that a awesome. woman is his boss. That's but there's a tension awesome. there as a mum because you're like, oh, but it's my child. I want my child to... But no, you, as a woman, you also have to go, we're raising the next generation and you have to raise men to respect women as their equals or as their boss or whatever. So it's, it's That's really interesting. Awesome. Yeah. Did it take you – so – and I might be generalising here um, because we're both new to this whole mothering, parenting thing. But don't you think a lot of people would – react with that little girl and say oh she's just bossing everyone around which is such a negative it's the got such a negative bossy yeah oh yeah don't even get me started oh. Steph Hansen. don't even get me started but yeah can i give you kudos because that that's such a great way to, to yeah. uh, approach that situation but how long did it take you to figure that out that it's about leadership well, and not bossiness and, yeah and yeah. say i'm gonna say that she's here as opposed to another way of doing it, like when yeah, did that just know. click? Yeah, I think I did. I think I said it jokingly initially, but then with hindsight, I thought oh, that's actually probably quite a smart thing to do for yeah, Toby right. is to see the girl in his class as the leader. Yep. And if he, from a very young age, sees the little girl in his peers as the leader, maybe that will set him up for life to be yeah. a man that respects women. Yep. I don't know. Hopefully. There's no way of, of testing these things retrospectively, but that's all you can do, isn't it? As opposed Absolutely. to like just 
just doing what the the internalized patriarchy that we all kind of have. You, you've got to fight against that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that got deep, didn't it? It did, but we're very deep. <laughs> <laughs> um. I, so, I wanted to ask you about your your other child. Oh, actually, you've got three because obviously you've got Frankie, Henry, and Wits up. So uh, yeah. Wits up. I wanted to talk about next and. Yep. Tell me about where Wits Up came from and why you decided to bring it into the world. So <laughs> bring it into the world. It's got such a different meaning now that you, once you've had a kid, doesn't it? Yeah. Are <laughs> <laughs> you going to go there? <laughs> well, it all started on a Sunday. When did the Wits Up contractions <laughs> begin? <laughs> um. Oh, I don't know. I, I feel like I've told this story so many times, but obviously there's people out there who don't know it. Um, so I shouldn't say oh, it's such a boring story, but unfortunately I think it's one of those stories that is, it's kind of the norm. Like it just, you hear these kind of stories all the time and I guess it's what you do with those stories is, is the difference. Um, essentially I was um, writing for a magazine you know, and I was interviewing all these amazing uh, people, men, women, uh, age groupers. Um, and at the time, I remember I'd done an interview with Caroline Stefan, who uh, she pops up in a lot of my stories. Um, I think Caroline and I were sort of destined to just become mates. Um, so different, but so similar as well. Um, just awesome, awesome person. Um with a ridiculous sense of humour, but you just don't know it because she's Swiss. And until you get to know her, you're like, fuck, she's funny and dry as, but you'd never know because she's, you know, she's known as Xena Warrior the Princess, right? So all you see on the race track is just that stoic, but she's funny as fuck. Um, you're allowed to swear on this podcast, by the way. I love a swear, swear word. Fuck for that. Correct. <laughs> um... Yeah, anyway, so I'd just done an interview with her and I innocently said to the boss at the magazine, "What? why why aren't there women on the cover of the magazine? Like I just interviewed one of the greatest athletes on the planet and I truly thought back then, and I, and I still do, that triathletes are just, just the most phenomenal athletes, full stop. Men, male or female, they're just yeah, incredible. Ridiculous. Yeah, what they do for for not much money to support. Imagine, imagine if there was all this money that supported what they do, what they could actually do from yeah. here on in. Like it yeah. just blows my mind if they had that, you know, at their disposal. That at their disposal. Anyway, the response to why aren't there women, many women on the cover of the magazine was um, women don't sell magazines, and it was just then that I was like. You know, I, I arced up and I was ready to fight, but I was just like, I don't, I'll be beating my head against the brick wall. I don't think mm. I can change your mind. Um, I, I could try and spend years doing my own head in, or I could actually just go and do something about it. And it was funny because for years I was, so I was a personal trainer for years. Um, and then I got into triathlon and I started um, doing a bit of commentary only because I, you know, I love to talk and I met um, a lady by the name of Julie Teddy, 
who is a coach here in Melbourne, um, and she also used to work for an event. Organ- oh no, she still does, I think, but they don't have triathlons anymore. But she was an event organizer, and I just said, I just said to her, "How do you get into commentating?" And she's like, "You like to talk? Here's a microphone, essentially." Um, so I just, I did that. Um, and then I was doing some coaching and then I started writing for a magazine and just, I was doing all these things and I was getting, I wasn't really getting paid or anything, but I was just doing it because I loved it. Um, and I wanted to help the sport. Um, and I just knew I was doing something and it was leading to somewhere. I just didn't know what it was, but I was happy to go on the ride and just see where it went. And then this dick bag said those few (laughs) words and it, I was actually, I had this conversation the other day and I thought it was at a barbecue where I came up with the idea, but I'd actually come up with the idea and rang my mate saying, Hey, what do you think about this? And she was a, like a travel agenty type of person. And she was uh, like a sales rep and she was in the car park at this shopping center. She was telling me just a couple of weeks ago. And got the phone call and was just like banging the steering wheel going, yes, this is this is what you're meant to do. You, this is what you need to do. And then we had the barbecue and I spoke to a few more mates. I'm like, what do you reckon about this idea? And they're like, now, like, yep, this is it. This is what you're going to be doing for the next however however long. Um, yeah, so it also started So how would there. you summarize that idea? Like as you did then, what did you, what did you say? <laughs> what did you say you were going to do? Before Wits Up is what it is now – what did you say it was going to be or what did you think it was going to be? Well, back then I just sort of said, you know, uh, there's all these amazing professional women who no one, people don't know about or they're, they're not given the platform that they deserve. They're just incredible. I want I want to create a platform. I didn't know what it looked like. I just essentially thought, you know, I, I mean, I can't afford to be doing uh, back then. Well, I can't afford it now, but no one seems to be able to afford it to be doing print magazine. Yeah. But I was like, I reckon I can start a start a website. Now I've got no IT experience. I don't, I don't know how to, but, you know, things are a lot more accessible these yeah, days. Yeah, it was to be able so different that. back then. What year was it? Was this like 20? It, it was 10 years. Well, it was almost 10 years ago. 2011. Yeah. So. Yeah, things yeah. were. It was like you actually had to get a web developer to help you mm. build something, or you had to really know WordPress or something like that. It wasn't yeah. like nowadays where you can just buy a Squarespace front end yeah. or a Wix front end and then just yeah. populate it with content because now everyone does content. Back then, it was really, really. Di- you had to do everything and know everything, and it was yeah. a different world. It, it, absolutely, yeah. And now you can just look. I mean, I'm not saying that things are easy, but it it is a it's, it's very matured, different. Like as a yeah, as definitely a kind of industry. And the the reason, so I when I was a personal trainer, I got this web designer to do my own personal training page. So that's how I knew who to speak to about it. And I and I approached her with the idea before we even went ahead and said, "Do you think this will work?" and so I worked closely with her. She was an athlete. Um, she she dabbled in a few triathlons, but she was a, a runner and she recognized she wanted to be on board, essentially. Yeah. Um, she was actually my best mate's flatmate at the time. Um and she like I don't think they still don't charge me enough for their time because there's still a lot of stuff that they do. Well, actually there's not a lot, but I always go to her and she always comes back to me pretty quickly and stuff. And I think she supports the message yeah. that we're trying to put out there as well. So um, I think she could have dropped me a long time ago to get 
you know, to earn a little bit of money. She's yeah. not earning very much from me, but I think her her heart is in our message yeah. as well. Um, but yeah, and I remember when, like, we got everything sorted and we're ready to go, and I'm like, "Fuck, we don't have a logo!" And so we, it literally was like, I don't know, wits up, women in tri. We did scribble underneath women in triathlon, and she, she's like, "Should we make it pink?" I'm like, "Fucking no!" <laughs> and um, it ended up being like this purpley kind of color, but still then I'm like, it's so close to pink, but we almost like, we just had to launch. We had to yeah. get it out there. So then the purple color, that was the original one. We got rid of that and it turned into that turquoise, which we've kept. Um, and then obviously we changed the logo a few years ago as well. Yeah. Cause it was literally just like, Oh, let's choose this font. Like that's, that's what it was. Um, also cause when I have an idea, I'm like, I want to do it now. Like go type of thing so i didn't invest the time into the logo the second logo i invested a bit of time into though i think that i think that's great you have a bias for action like you just get it done i do i think that the it's really easy i find i struggle sometimes i'll be thinking about it i'll like think it into existence no just i can do it just do it just get it done um uh, so what were your how did the industry react to wits up at that time. And by industry, I mean like the other media platforms that existed or the other journalists, photographers, um, and the brands that are running races like yeah. Ironman and Challenge. Like how were you – what was the reception like? So oh, I haven't thought about this kind of stuff for s- such a long time. Mm. Um, so what happened was we we launched and we, we launched with a bang – Fuck, it was big. So can I talk about the launch? Uh, so <laughs> It's your podcast. Uh, but yes, approved. So, you can talk about the so before we actually launched the website, we put up a Facebook page and I'd organized, there was a, a local, Julie, Julie Teddy, who I talked about before, she was like the event organizer um, for a local triathlon series and one of the races was a women's only event. So I was like, let's organize some celebrities to get to this event. Like just, you know, marketing 101, get celebrities on board. Like, but what I did was I was like, well, how do we actually convince, convince a bunch of local celebrity? I'm, you know, I'm not talking about Beyonce didn't turn up to do this. It might surprise you. I heard she was interested though. She was, she she was keen. There was a clash. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) so she, um, I suggested to this, I didn't even know that people had managers. Like back then I was just, but I think that naivety is played to your favor. Yeah. Because yeah. I was just like, well, I don't know. I'll just ask the question. Um, and I'm talking like lo- local um, TV personalities, radio, radio personalities. Um, uh, Cause the, I don't think there was such thing as an influencer back then. Um, it was more reality stars were yeah. definitely a thing. And we had a few of them. Um, so I said to them, right, I'm going to coach you for six weeks. Cause I was also coaching back then as well. Um, and then I approached, um, giant. The reason I balked is because I was going to say, was it live or was it giant? But live wasn't even it wasn't invented. Su- yeah. It was, it was purely so, giant. Yeah. So I approached them two times you, um, Dextro energy, nutrition, um, foot pro. Like I'm just really, I'm off. Um, 
there was a hotel sponsor, which is not, that's not, the, they're not that name anymore. But anyway, so I approached a whole bunch of them and said, right, can you like, this is what we're going to do. You're going to get, you're going to get this exposure. And I, I'm going to say, I didn't do this all by myself. I managed to meet some incredible people. One person by the name of Brooke Tully, who she deserves a podcast. I may actually even do a podcast with her. She's an incredible human. Um, but she helped with the PR and everything. So we essentially got six local celebrities, trained them for six weeks and got them to do this triathlon and just, you know, created a bit of a stir in the newspaper and this and that. I learned a lot of lessons. One of the lessons, here's another tangent for you. So I'm actually really good friends, still really, really good friends with one of the women who was involved. Uh, Her name is Nat Garonzi. And for anyone who's listening, who listened to our Kona call um, uh, in the lead up to um, the Hawaiian Eye Man, she was the brains behind that. She's a she's a comedian slash writer, funny, intelligent, incredible. She's and she has taught me a lot. Uh, she's taught me a lot about how uh, not not everyone is your jam not everyone's gonna like you I still struggle with it but she is 100% herself and I I aim to be a bit more like her because I still like to sit on the fence a little bit I don't like upsetting not that she likes upsetting people but you know she just is like if I'm not your flavor change the channel type of thing anyway um what was the saying so, anyway, the, story so of the 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 first the the yeah. race the women's race. So that's Julie that's how we kind of yeah that's how, yeah. sorry that's how we kind of launched and then and then we launched the website two days after the the inaugural Ironman Melbourne. Um, so over that time, I had been writing for a magazine. There's a car alarm in the background. Do you reckon that could be heard? Yeah. <laughs> On the podcast, I can talk over it. Potentially. Brett, are you there? Brett. It's a good sign because it means unless he's in trying to keep Frankie asleep. Is it your car? I don't think so. It sounds like it's in our driveway, but I don't think... I think, think... I'd be really lucky if someone stole my car because it's <laughs> it's it's a Golf and I could do with an upgrade, you know? Right. <laughs> We've outgrown it. My address is one... And you're listening <laughs> to this live. <laughs> um, and we're back in the room. Back in the... <laughs> Three, two, one... <laughs> Um, so little Britain reference for yep, those of you who didn't it. get that. I knew you'd get it. Um, because because you're British and you're yes. little. <laughs> oh God, I sense a nickname. <laughs> um, but anyway, so the launch. I so I I asked some people to be ambassadors. So they were taking a punt on me, but it was people who I'd met through working for the magazine and just sort of being involved in the sport. It was Belinda Granger, Beck Keat, and Ellie Franks. Um, and so I invited them to the launch, and we did a panel interview. Then um, I actually got Nat Garonzi to host the night because I was just like, I need to step back from it. Thank God, because I was a wreck. Um, and I invited about a hundred people who were just people within the sport. Got I was like, Brett, we're putting on a feast for a hundred people. He had to basically a couple of mates helped, obviously, but he catered for a hundred people at my Poor friend friend's. Wolfie's house. Um, and anyway, Caroline Stefan won I Man Melbourne, and I oh, because we were doing some stuff with Two Times You, and she was sponsored by Two Times You back in the day, and I I got along really well with with Caroline and I was like, look, this is, I'm doing this thing. 
if you can come along, that'd be great. And she's like, look, I've got a, I've got a two times you um, photo shoot, everything, rah, rah, rah. I'll see what I can do. So I was just like, she's not coming. She tur- fucking turned up. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. And anyway, so we've done this panel interview and then we're doing some other stuff. And I was just, I was standing up on, on stage, like in front of the fireplace. And <laughs> I said, I just looked at Carol and I'm like, sort of, will you come up on stage? She's like, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, fuck, I'm about to interview her. Like, I, I've never done this before, but I'm just, a, I'm just going to interview her. And I was fan, I was fangirl. I'm like, this is like, I can't even remember the year, but you know, she'd gotten second in Cone the year before, like mm. massive deal. Just one Ironman Melbourne become the third fastest woman ever. Um, It's huge. Yeah. She just walked into your launch party. Yeah. But then, so she's about to walk up on stage and the entire crowd has just put their hands up. So, you know, like at the end of a wedding where people just create this tunnel, they've done that for her. (laughs) And she's walked through the tunnel up on stage and I'm just like, fuck, this is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it was off. It was... It was just unreal. What was the question? How did, oh, how did, how did, uh, how did the, the industry, industry yeah. respond? And the, the place that this question is coming from <laughs> is because over the years I've done uh, kind of bits and pieces to, to support you when you've kind of needed to be in two places at once. Yeah. Because obviously we're like in some areas I can kind of replicate your skills if it's a bit of photography and video or if it's a bit of writing and interviewing. Um, I can I can help you be two places at once, and I remember. And thank you. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> my pleasure. I remember going to maybe Cairns in 2012 or 2013, long time ago, and being in the media pack, like yep. as of, and I'm a uh, a photographer outside of this, but coming coming into that and being. The only, I was the only female with a camera in the, the media pack and I found it extremely confronting and there were a couple of people, Deli Carr and uh, is it Glenn, that were really yep. really supportive and yep. kind of... Glenn, um, whose corrupt vision is who we're talking about. Yeah, so yep. like really supportive and nurturing, like went out of their way. They're like, oh, you're working for Steph, like help me out but then I I got like a vibe that I shouldn't have not that I shouldn't have been there but like it it was yeah it was really hard and it gave me a glimpse into what you're dealing with or what you would have been dealing with in those early days like coming into that uh, well-established highly testosterone fueled kind of space Mm. of the media um so that was where that question's coming from yeah. like what how how was wits up um how did everyone react yeah and how has that evolved over time so, so first of all I, I i remember you talking to me about this and i'm sorry that, that happened and uh if you i don't was, have to apologize well no no i don't and i sh- no i don't but i don't like that it happened um and if I was more switched on, I would have given you at least a heads up. But learning curve for both. I, of us. And I also think that like the camera, st- like film. I come from the film industry, 
and you get it a lot there. So I, it's not mm. that I'm not used to it. Yeah. It's just thinking, oh, you're going to cover like females in sport and it's all about this platform and it's such a great thing. You'd think that everyone would automatically be supportive of yeah. that. And there was some element of like one or two people who are quite derogatory about it. Yeah. And it it got me fired up <laughs> <laughs> to be like, no, screw you. Yeah. But yeah. I, I just – and it gave me a tiny inkling into yeah. your world. It's funny because I probably recognise it more now looking back. Mm. Um, I think because – the thing is, growing up, throughout my entire life, I've been surrounded by guys. And maybe that's the tomboy thing. I don't know. Growing up with two brothers, um, my mum owned a pub and, you know, there were guys and they were just sleazy. And But I never, like, I just You don't get intimidated. Yeah. yeah. It almost was a challenge. And I, like, I love people telling me that I can't do something. It actually fires me up more and you'll get – I'll work better from it. Yeah. Um. So I think looking back, I'm like, yeah, that did happen a lot. And it's not that I didn't know it was happening. I just – I don't know. I was just like, well, fuck it. I, yeah. And, and, and also, don't get me wrong, things absolutely upset me and that may not come across going back to the whole confidence thing – but I definitely take things personally, absolutely. Um, and I'm learning to what I should take personally and what I shouldn't. I think that's just going to be an ever-evolving part of life. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I I, I look back at um, launching Wits Up and I think be, being a tomboy and being pretty confident in that kind of sphere – I I'm I am not the Wits Up audience. I what I want is for the Wits Up audience to feel like I do. That who gives a fuck what other people think, or if you, as in this is a man's world, or this you know. I just because I do, I I haven't I haven't come from a place of I've been downtrodden because I'm a woman. I've just yeah. Um, God, this sounds so obnoxious, but I just almost haven't let it happen to me. Yeah. I don't know where that has stemmed from. Maybe from the sport thing. But what I want is for every single woman to feel like I do. Yeah. That it shouldn't be an issue. And I know that it is, which is why I've got wits up. I know that it's there. But I want everyone. I think I I am an exception to the rule, which is a shit rule. Yeah. Does does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Um. That's yeah, really I don't know. Answer. Well, so on that then, what is your vision for Wits Up? Where's it going to be in five years? Where's <laughs> it going to be in 20 years? I've no idea. I don't know. And I can blame that on Frankie. Because well, I just actually, don't know. That, yeah, that's fair because you're a, a mother of a toddler and yep. it's really difficult to see to the end of the week. Yeah. Most, most days. That's my experience of being a mother to a toddler. <laughs> But it's so true. and I, But, I, like, I think in theory it'd be great not to have to have a wits up. Mm-hmm. In theory. Mm-hmm. We're a very long way, very, very long way away from that. Um, 
And I just want to go back quickly to how did the industry take take the whole wits up thing. And I think people thought I was a joke for quite a long time, but I just had my blinkers on. I was doing my doing my thing, and I'd like to think that people don't think I'm a joke anymore or we're a joke. Um, I like to think that we've played a massive role with um, uh, changing the landscape of women in triathlon, but also by the landscape, I mean not just what we're doing, but making other uh, platforms accountable. Because if, if you're not lifting your game, it's not that we're going to directly call you out, but by what we're doing, we are mm-hmm. indirectly calling you out. Um, so I think we've helped that. I don't think I know. Like I've seen it. Yeah. I, you know. And what's the feedback that you get from like athletes who are your friends, who are professionals? Um, or do people not even talk about it anymore because it's just a given that that's what you're doing? You're raising the profile of women in sport, of women in triathlon. See, that's a funny one because I have ups and downs about it. To be quite honest, um, I sometimes I think, yeah, we, you know, we, this is great and we're doing great, and then other times I'm just like, why the fuck do I bother? To be quite honest. Wow. Yeah. To oh, shit. This is. I've just been probably way too honest, but I don't know. I think since, especially since having Frankie, I value my time more now than ever. Um, and I don't know. I th- I would like to think that anyone who knows me knows that I'm doing this for the right right reasons. Um, that's something from The Bachelor. <laughs> I'm in it for the right reasons. Of course you're in it for the right reasons because, it, like, if you weren't doing this for the passion and the purpose, what? Why? What, yeah. I'm not like, doing it for the coin. <laughs> like, what, you're doing it for the passion and the purpose. Like, yes. That's, that's why it's here. That's why you're here. But I, there's still people who don't get that. Mm, and people who it's disappointing people who i thought would get it but sometimes it needs to be spelt out yeah um and yeah some some days i'm just like i you know i'm busting my gut to continue doing what i'm trying to do and there's so much method to my madness i'm not just flitting about the world having fun and interviewing people and i i love what i do don't get Mm. me wrong um, but there is a lot of method to it. Don't ask me to actually explain it to you. Uh, I mean, you've you've done some work for me. You know how this – well, actually, you don't know how this brain operates, which is part of the problem because um, it's going a million miles an hour. But, um, but yeah, since having Frankie, I've, I've just realised how much more valuable my time is. Um, and, oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't have to – I don't know. It's – on that, how are you? How like how do you f- juggle motherhood and this job, which is way more than full time? Like motherhood is way more than full time, mm. and being an entrepreneur and running a media platform and maintaining friendships with 
uh champion athletes like there's a there's a lot happening like how do you and also the other thing is you're continually upskilling like technically yeah like you started off from that writing slash photography space and then moving into video and video editing and now we're sitting here recording a podcast like you're continually learning and upskilling like how are you doing all of those things what are your top tips? <laughs> but seriously. So to be brutally honest, I don't feel like I have tips. This is why I've struggled with I know there's interview. no tips because I no, like I there, there's no tips. Yeah. It's more just from the outside looking in. It's huge what you're what you're getting through on a day-to-day basis. Like the so, output as well is yeah. huge. And okay, I need to take just a second to thank the people who do help us out with Wits Up. Like, there's people behind the scenes who are doing some incredible stuff and have saved Wits Up in the last two or three years. From me being sick a few years ago to then having a kid, mm. um, they have kept Wits Up afloat. And yeah, I mean, I can name them all, but then I'm worried that I'd forget one name and fuck it up. So I'm not going to name anyone, but they know who they are. Mm. Um, but to be, to be brutally honest with you, thank you. Like, it's a nice thing for you to say, but I feel like I'm failing everything except probably Frankie. Like, I feel like we're doing Jesus. Like, I know that you get it. It's. I think it's hard when you, you know, for so many years, I can just like, this is what I'm going to do. And I just do it and I've got it done. But now it's hard to run something like this when you don't have that at your disposal. Steph, you're doing Sorry. an extraordinary <laughs> job. You are doing an extraordinary job. You're an amazing role model to everyone listening. You're an amazing role model to me. And most importantly, you're an amazing role model to your daughter. That was just another gulp of wine. (laughs) So thank you. Um, So... I could sit here and edit this bit out, but something that I've learned in the last two years is to just um, embrace that vulnerability because I think that's one of my things for 30-odd years is, and this is how the podcast started. You talked about me being confident and all that kind of stuff. And I I do think that I am that person, but I think that's also created a barrier a bit of a wall that I haven't allowed myself do you know what I mean I just um but I think being vulnerable and like I've openly been vulnerable when I got sick and having Frankie and that's I guess was a bit of a pivotal moment with wits up in that um I see the platform now as more than just 
triathlon. Like it's not it's not just that. It's an opportunity to talk about things that don't necessarily fit under swim, bike, run. Do you, do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Just, to me, as an outsider, it's always been more than swim, bike, run. Yeah. Always. And because yeah. I only came, I came into this and meeting you through triathlon, but I haven't done a triathlon for five, six years, but I'm still a member of the community and, and, yeah. and the stuff that you talk about with the athletes that – that you meet and with your community it's not about the thing it's yeah a, it's way bigger yeah and I think that's why I don't think I know that's why I love the podcast side of things as well mm. because it allows that opportunity to to discuss things that I don't know like we've almost done a full circle again just in this podcast talking about um I don't know. I I've lost my train of thought now, but it Yeah. Okay, so uh <laughs> no, that's sorry. Why are you apologizing? I don't know cuz that's just a knee-jerk reaction. Well, you need to you can edit the sorries out. I um, will not. Okay, I've got another uh another question that it may be a change of pace or it, yeah, it, okay, it let's may do it. not. Um <laughs> talk to me about what have been your biggest learnings or failures or challenges over the, um, mo- like the recent history of Wits Up or personally? So, way to kick a woman while she's down. Yeah. <laughs> See what I did? Yeah. <laughs> we'll uh, go back to that original question of why did why did you invite me into yeah. your home to ask you questions? <laughs> we made you dinner. <laughs> and by we, I mean I had told Brett that. <laughs> like literally I texted him yesterday, even though we've had this teed up for ages, I'm like, fuck, I forgot to tell him that he has to cook for Piper. <laughs> um, but do you know It was delicious. I texted him, I'm like, Piper's coming over to do a podcast. He has, he's got no idea what the podcast is about. He asked me today when I picked him up at the train station. Oh, okay. Um, and But his, when I said, <gasps> you need to cook for her, his response was, um, what are her food allergies? Like, that's it. <laughs> no, yeah. Fuck, I'm lucky. You are. Yeah. You are. Yep. Yep. What a guy. <laughs> What, what a, a guy! <laughs> He's the most practical man in the yeah. world. That's a. I think I've talked about that on other podcasts. No anchovies. Anyway. No anchovies. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah, but see, see, that's a given though because I don't do seafood anyway. So, so yeah. Um. So I. Um. Back when, so I got sick a few years ago, and I wrote. What was with that? Um. Oh, it was a. Whatever you want to call it, adrenal fatigue, chronic fatigue, meltdown, mm. body, mind, everything. It was horrible. Um, but I, I didn't, I didn't know what to do with myself. It was, it was fucking, it was awful because it's, it was like having an injury, but it was a, you couldn't see it. Yeah. So how do you explain that to people? Yeah. And I was, and again, like I talked about before about these just being strong and confident. Yep. It was so against the Steph Hansen yep. that we know. 
and so I didn't I didn't know how to handle it. Brett Sula didn't know how to handle me because he didn't see me like that. It was um a, a massive turning point in both of our lives. Um, but I mean I've talked about it before, but I wrote an article and all uh, I think I called it um I'm not okay or I wasn't okay or something. And I I did not realize the impact it would it was so widespread that made that in itself it was I actually actually had to stop reading messages because it was just I was so overwhelmed but there was such a big part of me that was so happy that I had a platform that I could talk about these kind of things and um I I don't want to throw the term around loosely depression because it, like that that is a very serious thing um, but I certainly felt like I was on some kind of a scale. Um, and, but just by talking about that, open up the floodgates to so like professional female triathletes, professional male triathletes who reached out to me to A, see if I was okay, but B, to tell me their story. I was like, fuck. And so that was a real mm. turning point for me with wits up. Uh, personally, obviously, yeah. but with wits up as well. Ah, this is more than just sport. Yeah. But again, going back to that whole sport being a metaphor for life, blah blah blah. Yeah, I, like it all came home. Um, and then um, in terms of failure, failures, um, uh, it's so wet. Like I don't, I don't buy into the whole. Like I find the whole motivational speaking thing a little bit icky. It's not my stuff. Like I love listening to people, but I struggle with the whole. What's your profession? I'm a motivational speaker. Like that, it just I don't know. It just doesn't mm. sit well with me. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but it just it makes me uncomfortable. Sit down, have a coffee, have a drink with someone talk to me like I'm so interested in people, which is why I love doing a podcast. See, I feel like you'd be a great motivational speaker, though. You say that. Thank you. But see, this is this is where the failure, failure comes in. So I this story I'm about to tell you, I don't think I've ever failed as hard as this. So I was on a International Women's Day um panel last year it was just after Ironman New Zealand because I'd spent the week at Ironman New Zealand with Frankie by myself getting people to watch her and do this and that I actually can't remember who watched her on race day I can't even remember um but anyway someone did um and then had to drive home get on a plane it's just fucking exhausted so she would have been so this is March she would have been six months old Oh my goodness! And I have no idea how you did it's, all of that. But again, it was just like you're just doing it. Mm. Um, but I was ex- the next day was this International Women's Day event, and I was so tired. Like, like so, I so can't, tired. I can't begin to imagine. I'll just interject for a second because I've, like I say, stepped into your shoes every now and again to cover an Ironman race. So, on the one hand. Uh, know what it's like now to be a mother of a, a baby and that that is totally all-encompassing. I also know what it's like to cover an Ironman race. So having 
competed as an age group athlete in an Ironman race, I know what it's like to be the athlete and to be the journalist or the, the media person covering an Ironman race is next level. Like uh, the, I do not know how you did that was a mother to your baby at either end of that race. So someone's obviously watching her during the race, but then you've got to go and look after her through the night. And then to fly back to Melbourne, like, I, I don't know how you do it. it. It's been a crazy 12 months. I just remembered it was Brett looking after <laughs> That guy. <laughs> that guy. The no, dad. He came over and because it's a Saturday race, on the Sunday morning, someone drove him back to Talbot. They were going back to Auckland. He flew home. But I went to a friend's house for a couple of days, then drove. Anyway, so at this event, uh, International Women's Day panel event, rah, rah, com- felt completely out of my depth because everyone was so polished. And I was just like, just doing what I do. Just I just talk. I'm not, I'm not super polished, but I, that's just, that's who I am in terms of this kind of platform. But anyway, from that, an opportunity arose um, and I was asked to be a keynote speaker at a, um, it was like their end of year type of function, um, celebrating awards for their employees. Um, Actually, I'll tell you who it was for because I don't care. It was for for Melbourne Sports and Aquatic Centre, which is huge here in Melbourne. Um, and they had like 200 of their employees and essentially had to get up and motiv- motivate them. So, and I was like, I was, it was like keen to do it. Like I'm always keen to try new things, but I was like, I've never been on stage by myself talking about, I can stand up by myself and talk for hours, but not about myself. Yeah. So I had so many meetings with this woman, Dan, who's such an awesome 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 um woman and i was like i just like you've got access to so many athletes who come and use the center all the time you know olympic swimmers get like why don't you get and she's like no no no, we want you like your story's great and i was just like i just don't get it (laughs) so i text my friends and i was like and i you were one of them yeah and i said i need your help can you this is going to sound obnoxious but can you please give me i think it was like three things that you like about me because <laughs> I was like I don't I don't get it and then oh, of course I was overwhelmed with people being so amazing and lovely and just awesome people and one of my friends who has helped me a lot with Witsarf is like it all comes Steph it all comes down to the three C's confidence courage and conviction I think was the third one She's like, that's you. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I'm all right. I'm buying into this. All right, cool, cool, cool. And she's like, you know, you can probably, she is a like facilitator, presenter. Like this, that's her jam. She's like, and this is how you can pitch it. Like this is how you can do it. And um, so I, I wrote a speech eventually. It took me so, I kid you not, the night before I was meant to do this, Brett was, I still hadn't got it down on paper. Because I couldn't, I couldn't write it. And Brett was bathing Frankie and I've walked in and I'm like, can you please chuck a sickie tomorrow? Because I need time to write this article, this speech. And he's like, what? I'm like, I just, and I sat on the bathroom floor bawling my eyes out. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because I was like, I just, 
I just felt so uncomfortable. I just didn't. Like if someone had have gone up there on stage with me and interviewed me, different, different story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I finally got this thing down and I practiced practiced it in front of a friend and like it was very Shooter McGavin. Like I'd tell a story and then I'd be like, and you know what? It came back to courage, conviction, and whatever the fucking third thing was. <laughs> but I was like, but this is what they want. They need a motivational yep. talk. So this is what I need to present. So dumb from from my end. So stupid because that's not what she asked me for. The entire every time I caught up with her, she's like, "The reason we loved you on this panel was that you were authentic, you were vulnerable, you weren't polished, but what you said was still great. It yeah. wasn't a polished answer. It was from the heart, and you're happy just talking from the heart." But I got into my head this whole motivational speaker thing that I had to make it this Shooter McGavin style. Yeah. So anyway, I got there on the night and I got up there and they had the, what do you call the um, box thing with the microphone out of it, the speaker platform thing or whatever they call it. My mind's gone blank. Whatever. And um, I'm also very conscious how long this has been going for. So I apologize to you and also to our listeners. Um, that's a great photo. The photo on her phone of <laughs> Piper's um, son and the husband is a great photo. Um, and I got up there and froze. And I what? so I wrote this speech. I can't imagine you yeah. ever freezing. Yep. N- to be honest, neither can I. I have winged my way through that many things in because I know I know what I know like yeah I can be thrown into something at the at the last second and know that I can still and it and I'm okay with fucking up on stage mm. because I'll make a joke about it and we'll all move on and people will love it and you know I couldn't dig myself out of this one I got up there and I wrote word for word this speech I couldn't even read it it was like the words had blurred oh so you had it to read from as well. Yeah, because, and even that, I fought every instinct in me. Even that is like, you know, when have you ever written out an entire speech? But I was like, I need to do that because I need to get it right. Because I just kept having it in my head. Whereas, anyway, so I got up there and I started reading it and I just kept saying to them before I got up on stage, I'm really nervous. Which I've said in the past, like, oh, I'm nervous and I've been fine. Um, and I got through one page and none of the jokes landed because I didn't deliver them. That was shit. And like, I was sweating. I had this little jacket on. I even talked about why I was wearing the clothes I was wearing. Like, when do I ever fucking talk about clothes? (laughs) And like, it was just so foreign to who I am and what I do and what my skill set is. And being a typical motivational speaker that is not my skill set it's not what I'm good at um and I've certainly learned that if if anyone ever wants me to get up there and do that that's not I won't do it because it's just not that's not who I am if they want to get me to get up there and talk and just bullshit or not you know what I mean like just chat I can Q&A. do that yeah, yeah, yeah. um but I, I can't get up there and stand up there and talk about myself in that capacity 
I even tried just putting it, because they even said, just walk around. And so I went, as in, because I was like, I feel uncomfortable standing here. And they're like, just just go for a wander. Like, walk around and talk. And I just, I couldn't oh, move. Oh, wow. I, I had a panic attack. Like, I couldn't Shit. breathe. I had that out-of-body experience where I could see myself just white and... This is in front oh, of Steph, I had no idea when I asked you this question. Whoa. Appalling. And you know how, like a lot of people will say, oh, how'd your commentary go this morning? I'm like, yeah, it's okay. Um, because I always want to be better. No, this was abysmal. It was, and I did it in front of 200 people. I was so upset. I text Brett. And he didn't know what to say. Like, I was, I cried on stage. It was oh, that bad. Wow. I cried. And then I just put the pieces of paper down and I said, that's it. I can't talk anymore. Because I just, yeah. And, like, they're paying me to do this. Um, that is and big. It was horrible. And I sat down at the table. So there was, like, you know, 10 tables of 20 or 20 tables of 10 or whatever. And I sat down next to this woman, Dan, who had got me to do this. And I, like, I just, and I just kept looking at her and I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like you, this is your, you guys do this once a year and you've got me on board and you've pitched it to people. And this is like, this is going to reflect poorly on you. And that's what I was more worried about than it. Like these people don't know who the fuck I am. Who cares? But you have to come back to work tomorrow and everyone will be like, you got that weird chick who stood up there and cried. <laughs> and I started talking about Frankie on stage and started bawling my eyes out. And I'm like, where the fuck did that come I was having a massive mental breakdown. I had done too much in the first six months of her life um, and I was trying to be a person that I wasn't. Mm. Um, Anyway, so I sat down and she's like, do you want to get up and go? We've got a few more awards to go. But I I did sit there and I went, I'm not going to slink out of here. I just need to sit here and own it and just face up to the fact that I was fucking terrible. Um. I cried all the way home. I called my best mates and I just cried and I was so disappointed Fuck in myself. Steph. But, you know, the hormone, like tired yeah, hormones, Yeah, you had all a six-month-old kind of baby. But I never wanted that to be an excuse. But anyway, I, I did know that... In- hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. You didn't... You never wanted that to be an excuse. That is never an excuse. Yeah, I know. But I just... Anyway, you know... Yeah, anyway. I, know, I know what you're yeah, saying, yeah. but... Yeah. So I knew I just had to ride, ride it out. And I knew that in time it would teach me so much yeah. and it has. And it's what has someone, it taught you? Well, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, it, it, honestly, it's just taught me to be authentic. It, I always knew that. That's who I am. Mm. And honestly, everything about me writing that speech, like I felt sick about it before I ever went, like I I was fighting all of my yeah. instincts going up on stage and that's why I bombed because there was nothing. It was so against everything yeah. who I am. So it's def- being a mum and that particular point in time has taught me so much that your instinct is the strongest tool yeah. in your arsenal. Like yeah. it just, tool in your arsenal? Yeah, that's about something like that. Anyway, I feel like the, you need to you need to go back there this year and and get I on stage and 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 tell a story. Well, so that's the other thing as well is 
it's I feel like that's a learning tool for myself but also for other people yeah so I'm like that's how I look at it now mm. as the first, I reckon 48 72 hours was fucking terrible but now I think it's funny and I can tell the story yeah right and um you're so brave yeah. I don't know about brave it's just I don't know it's just it's one of those things it's just it's a shit lesson to learn in front of 200 people but but you did whatever. it whatever you're just a young mum with a with a baby and a full time job, just can getting also, up on stage, giving a keynote, like. But also on that note, the whole International Women's Day that weekend as well, you had been flown to Sydney to do your own keynote speech and absolutely <laughs> rocked it. So oh, just quickly, I, I did. I wouldn't say I rocked it. Actually, it, in fact, I similar to you. Oh, I can't. I had notes written down on my speech or whatever and decided that I was going to read it from an iPad, like an app that's a prompt, like a teleprompt, and yeah. it follows your voice. I downloaded that app after you told me about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, so I did. Oh, did I, maybe I didn't tell you what happened as I started reading because I was in Sydney and um, got up on stage and did a traditional, like an acknowledgement of the traditional owners of the land. And I think being in Melbourne, I've heard it enough times in Melbourne to probably be able to to give one off the cuff. But in Sydney, didn't really know like who who were the traditional owners of the land, had it all written down, had everything prepared and the iPad froze when I was in the middle of the acknowledgement of the traditional owners. And so I had to wing it. And kind of like knew knew where the beats were yeah. in in the phrasing, but didn't really know what the language was. And I just remember thinking, "Oh dear, I'm I'm just winging sixty thousand years of culture here right now. What a way to begin!" Wow. But I got through it. But it's really hard doing anything with a six month old baby, let alone getting up on stage and yeah. being vulnerable. And I commend you. Yes, I commend you. Yeah, we did good. <laughs> um, what this, else? This has been going on for nearly an hour and a half. So well, you got you got big stuff in your life. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've got like, all these things that I got written down here to get through. I'm, I mean, we we should we break it into two parts? Do you reckon? Yes. Okay. We can do that. Also, you need to drive home to your house tonight, so we need to consider that. You, okay, but well, you're, but okay. you're, in, you're in charge. <laughs> um, your boss, your CEO. Look, I'm lady. happy to continue. Like, I'm not in a rush. Well, what do you reckon? You're you're an expert in these this kind of field. Should we break it into two? But then I feel like a bit of a dick because, like, this Steph Hansen of- Part Seven. Twelve T. Twelve. Um. Look, now I think that what I was going to do. We got some questions sent in. From your uh, community, I was going to throw to them. Oh, how well, does that sound? All right, let's do a bit of that, and then because um... they might bring it back up. From what's your biggest failure? Tell me about the darkest times <laughs> in your life. <laughs> oh man, a so lot funny. of these are from. Uh, sorry, you go. No, no, I was going to say with the whole failure thing. Um, I took some photos of someone recently at, at MSAC and could, because part of the whole, so they held up their end of the bargain, even though I said, I don't want to get anything for that rubbish that I just did. Oh, um, they're like, no, 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 
um, anyway, um, so I sent them some photos that I took of an athlete and everything. I was like, they're yours to use because it's the very least that I can do. And they posted a photo and someone was straight onto it. They didn't give you credit. Have you seen this? And I was like, like good crew out there got my back. I'm like, they can use that photo on a fucking billboard if they want to. They can use it for the rest of their life. They deserve it. Anyway, I'm swearing a lot now because oh, you okay. have to drive, so you've only had a little bit of red. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, It's your house. Get comfortable. Yeah. You know. Do you want to sleep in Frankie's room tonight? You Do can... I? Yeah, because you can have a bit more red. I've got to go look after my toddler because obviously oh, uh, yeah. I have a baby who doesn't sleep through the night, so I haven't slept for 16 months. If any readers have got tips, uh, yeah. send them on a postcard to... On a postcard? Yeah, you know, that's what you do, isn't it? When, um, I wonder if, if any of our uh, listeners are sleep school owners. Yeah. Invite, send Piper a one free free freebie session. Yeah, Sweet. that'll be great. Yeah. I would just love one night's sleep. 16 months. But we need a hotel sponsor so that you can just... And a babysitter, a professional babysitter and a hotel sponsor. Yeah. If you can hit me up, Steph at witsup.com and yeah. we'll handball that on to Piper. Yeah. Oh, God, imagine. Uh, anyway, okay. <laughs> Here's some questions from the community. Oh, God, what regret? No, I'm going to stay away from regrets because <laughs> I feel like that might uh, – we've covered some hard stuff, so I'm going to – I'm gonna. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if I actually have regrets, which is such a – Naff thing to say, yeah. Because sure, they don't have regrets, just learnings. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely regret some stuff. I can't remember what they are off the top of my head. Yeah, but like, there's a reason the regret is a word. So there has to be some kind of regrets yep. out there. What you do with it, sure, you can learn and stuff. Yeah, but I mean, I definitely don't regret doing that speech because I learned a lot. Yeah. Um, I, what I do regret from it though, is not being true to myself. Yeah. Because, but anyway. there's the lesson. Correct. Move on. Um, <laughs> if you had a million dollars, what would you do with it? Just me or for like, what's up? It's just me. You can define the parameters of that question. I'd pay off my bills first, which is really boring. Yeah. Um, sensible though. Yeah. Sensible. Um, ugh. do you know what I've always said I'd love to do is I probably need a little bit more than a million though but like I'd love to get my mates out of debt depending on how much there are as well how much debt they've got and then that like we're all just kind of on that level playing field there's no like no one's stressed anymore you would pay off all your friends debts well just depending like that's amazing what, we want to make sure that actually no 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 because that sounds all like like, I'd want to get a house is yeah. definitely what I'd want to do, but we would probably look at maybe getting a house where we can pay a certain amount and then, you know, we keep paying it off. But then I'd give money to mates so that it takes that stress away from them. Okay, so That's, we've done all that. What if you've got $100 million? Because then I think we can – because you've gone really – you've gone very practical around oh, how you're going to divide up the – yeah. Okay, so $100 million. Oh, so I've paid off my friends. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Every, I've got so myself. Everyone a house. in your life is like comfortable. Um, no one's got a credit card bill. 
your like Beyonce Jay Z of triathlon. I will. I would sink that into triathlon bikes. somehow. Into what? Bikes. More yeah, bikes. I'd just get a few more bikes. Yeah. No, I'd. I definitely. I would love to one day run my own triathlon event. Ah. I'd love to be able to do that. But now we get to yeah, it. Yeah, but now, but I don't know how it would look because I mean, recently the you probably don't know this because like this has only happened in the last forty eight hours. Professional triathletes uh, organization has just launched the Collins Cup. Like, so I, you know, I'd want to do something similar to that. Maybe we, I, I don't know. Like, I'd want to make a big difference within the sport. Oh no, do you know what I'd want to do? is have a women's team. So, like, it would be the wits up. So you have, say, 10 sponsored athletes. I don't know. I actually I think, need to I feel like you're for- formulating a vision here. Yeah, I, yep. I'm just waiting for the 100 mil to hit the bank account. So, no, okay, right. Here's a life lesson. Okay. You've got to have the vision first. Don't totally. worry about the money. That will come. We find the investor. Okay. Moving on, sporting idol. Ooh, sporting idol. Well, it also depends. Well, I mean, I've had not lots. triathlon. Not good. Can't say yeah. a triathlete because you wouldn't be able to choose one. Correct. Who's yours? Not triathlon. Well, I know who it is in triathlon. <laughs> is, oh, do is, you? Is it Lizzie? <coughs> Lizzie's one of them. Yeah, there's a there's few. Many. There's but many. You're a massive Lizzie B fan. Yeah. And also Chrissy Wellington because I'm um, English oh, yeah. and Rachel Joyce. Like, who? Who? Uh, Chrissy who? Yeah. Um, uh, fuck, sporting. Serena Williams. Yeah, well, I was about to say, I do, and it's very pertinent right now with the Oz Open on, but there's just something about it that yep. she annoys me a little bit because there's some, some things that she does that I'm like, fuck, not cool, but... She's pretty true to herself, which I rate. Um, she's up there. I'm just trying to think of other. I don't know. Do you know I I love Raphael as well, Rafa Nadal. Um, I listen to a podcast called Sports Wars, and it you should listen to it. That so this they do um like a series of um podcasts per um war and one of them was Nadal versus Federer and I was it was super interesting listening to the difference between those two because um Federer is like the people's champion and mm. everyone loves him and everything but Nadal comes from some pretty homegrown grassroots like his uncle was his coach for years and Roger was a little bit more proper and got invited to meet the queen yeah. and Rafa did it the hard I don't know like so it's made me rate him a lot more as well I love sports <laughs> do you know what I've been doing <laughs> the last few weeks all I've been showing Frankie on YouTube is just like sporting highlights that's excellent every sport and then just teaching yeah. her to clap at the moment that's great so, so cool we only let Toby watch sport on TV like if the TV's on it has to be on sport brilliant we, otherwise it's off brilliant you're allowed to watch sport. Yep. That's what I reckon. Um, oh, what makes you angry? Oh. Um, what makes me angry? 
That's a really hard one. I think closed-minded people. Yeah. Um, I I'm I can can be quite stubborn, which has gotten me to where I need to be. But I'm also really open to listening to different sides. I like keeping the peace, which sounds like it's a bit of a um, contradiction. But I think I'm stubborn when it's something that I'm really passionate about. Um, So, yeah, I really can't stand people who are selfish and closed-minded. It does my head in. Just for one second... Think about the other person. Just so, like, when people, so say for example, right? I'm the kind of person who I'm on my phone a lot of the time, and I will pretty much usually get back to you straight away. Email is a bit different, but if you text me, I'm usually pretty much onto it. So if I haven't responded, instead of getting annoyed at me, maybe think, is is everything okay? Like. That's not her normal behavior. So instead of being frustrated, maybe just get outside of your own little Empathy. Bubble. Yeah. Empathy. That one. Um, yeah. And liars. I think like what I've got one final question from me and then you can. No, and then we'll wrap it up and hopefully we can get this into one podcast. Okay. What do you want your life to look like in 20 years from now? 20 so that makes frankie 21 whoa yeah doesn't that change stuff uh what do i want it to look like yeah it's oh man if you if you had asked me five years ago to be a completely different answer okay i'll flip that question then what would your life have looked like without triathlon if you'd never found triathlon and wits up what do you think you'd be doing it would probably be doing Honestly, the same thing I'm doing now in a different sport. Yeah, right. I think I was just, oh, this is wanky, but I was think I think I was destined to do something like this. Yeah. Um. Back in the day when Mum owned a pub, it was across the road from the Mercury newspaper in Tassie, and I just spoke to the sports journos all the time. Um, I still speak to them. I still ask them for advice, like I. Without knowing it back then, yep. I think this is where I'm meant to be. Destiny. Yeah. Destiny, you say? That one. Destiny. Although wow. I would never have picked I'd be having a kid. Surprised my entire family. Really? No one thought I'd have a kid. Yeah. Do you, Have you thought about whether or not you'd, you'd ever want to have more? It, or do definitely. you think, what the hell, how on earth do people have more than one human child? I think and that cope? all the time. Uh, Brady and I both agreed beforehand that we only wanted one throughout the entire pregnancy. I was like, definitely, because I hated being pregnant. I need to say, appreciated the fact that I was pregnant. Can completely respect that people love being. Pre- I did not enjoy it. I loved like it. it. I loved yeah. it. But then found the that immediate postpartum period like I was very low. Yeah. Whereas you just took to motherhood. You seem to be like. You were the most natural mother that I've ever witnessed, and and yeah, right. I and I thought because I'd had this great pregnancy that it would just kind of continue from there, but it didn't. So it's all swings around, isn't, about, that isn't it? The, the biggest lesson you learn is that you you cannot predict predict it, and you've yeah, just exactly. got to relinquish that control, completely. Which is 
very a hard. That you've got to try and practice every single day. In my experience, agreed. Absolutely agree. Um, yeah. So in terms of work life and stuff, I think I'd been a very similar thing because I've always just followed that. I don't always know where it's going to go, but yep. I'll follow it. Um, but in terms of where uh, I don't know it, I don't. I, I think the next couple of years, we're just going to see how things mm. evolve. Um, but honestly, my oh, this is just obnoxious and just naff. But <laughs> I love the word naff. Great. It's a use good, of I don't even know naff. where I've got it from. <laughs> I just hope that Frankie and I have got a good relationship. I, and I've been able to give her the tools to create her own awesome life because I've got an awesome life (laughs) we live week by week in terms of paying bills and stuff but I've we're happy we're I've got an awesome job I'm surrounding myself with awesome people she gets to like she's meeting the greatest people in the world and I'm not just talking about what an incredible upbringing yeah we you know our friendship group's awesome so I just hope that she sees that as um, an amazing life to have. And however that looks in terms of work, career, relationships, whatever. Oh, she's very, very lucky to have you as a mum, Steph cool. Hansen. <laughs> um, oh, look, I think, I think we made it. I think we, I think we made it. I think you did well. You, uh, you did well. Stop it. You did well. This is such a pleasure. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Thanks, Thanks. everyone, if you're still there. Definitely cricket. (laughs) Definitely. Thanks, dude. I so appreciate it. Thank you.